0: Welcome to Finish World Podcast, where changing the world starts with changing your home, with your host, Meredith Curtis. Hi, I'm Meredith Curtis. Welcome to Organize Your Homeschool, Episode 192. We are going to tackle organization today, but don't panic. It is possible to, no matter how crazy and out of control things seem right now. It is possible to get your homeschool to a place of flexible organization. And when I say that, I don't want you to think for some of you, you may say, you don't know my homeschool, but it doesn't matter. Whatever, whatever state it is, you can bring it into that place of flexible organization, but sometimes it might take a while. And so I'm going to share with you these principles. I'm also going to give you links in the show notes to some blog posts that I've written that go into more detail so that if you think, wait, what did she say about that? You can go back to these posts. You can go back to the show notes. And I really want to encourage you that as we get started talking about organization organization is just not for those who come. It comes naturally to all of us. And I'm the kind of person that doesn't come natural, but I have learned how to do it. And there are times that things get out of control. And then I have to very subtly get back to control. So again, this is episode 192, Organize Your Homeschool. And I'm so excited that you're with me. So um, first of all, <laughs> I just wanted to tell you that when I signed up for homeschooling, it was um, the late 80s when I was looking into it. And then I started homeschooling in 1991 and I had no idea with all these wonderful books I read and how wonderful my children would turn out and all this stuff. I had no idea that homeschooling would involve piles of papers and stacks of books and just a myriad of very simple choices and a lot of questions that I would have to answer. Like, Mom, what should I do now? Well, Mom, the VCR, this is way back in the old days, isn't working, so I can't do my Latin. What should I do instead? And just this constant onslaught of, you know, decisions and Mess and it can sometimes that in itself can feel overwhelming. And so what I learned is that the more organized my space is and the more organized our schedule is and the more organized our lesson plans are, the easier it was for me to feel on top of everything and to feel like I was ruling and reigning. Like it says in the Bible, you're, we rule and reign in Christ. It felt like it was so much easier to do that. So I'm gonna start with a little plan. The first is to organize your homeschool room or homeschool space. And then the second thing we're gonna talk about, um, and that's basically like where to store things, how to store things so they're easy to get to, and then lesson planning. And scheduling. So lesson planning would be basically figuring out what you're going to do for the year and kind of having a flexible overall plan. I use the word flexible a lot because when you're a homeschool mom, especially if you have a lot of children, um, especially if you're pregnant or nursing or both, (laughs) you know, life is always changing and there's always interruptions. There's always changes. So I have learned um, for instance, I schedule in a catch up week because it, it, in the fall and then in the spring because I know that life happens and then there's a week where you just can't get anything done because you're in the emergency room with a broken arm or you have to rush to your parents because one of them is having surgery. So I share all this, um, where This is homeschool organization, not like the slick people who have perfect lives that are very, you know, predictable. We don't have predictable lives. So we have to, you know, we have to keep all of that in mind. So let's start with the homeschool room. And when I say that, I also mean your homeschool space. It might be um, a file cabinet in the dining room. I'm not sure where your homeschool space is. For me, whether I've had a homeschool room or not, I had a homeschool room. Um, I have a homeschool room right now, and I had one at another home that I lived in. But other times, I haven't had a homeschool room, and I've just had a little area where I keep a bookcase and a file cabinet and keep things in there. Um, One of the things I found, though, whether I have a homeschool room or not— we always do our school on the family room couch and at the dining room table. So <laughs> I don't know why that is, but it's just, you know, you can have this wonderful homeschool room, which I do. But my homeschool room is mostly for storage. It's like a library slash storage unit um, of all of our stuff. And um, the family room couch is the most comfy of all. So Talking about the homeschool area, when you're talking about your homeschool area, you have all of those papers, you know, the papers they've written, assignments, great ideas and things like that. And then you have um, books, a lot of books, and then there are actual things they're working on. For the school year. So I'm going to kind of tackle those things and keep in mind, I'm going to use the word homeschool room. But basically, where do you store your stuff? So the principle um, of this is getting all of your homeschool stuff in order, your homeschool room in order is like eating an elephant. And how do you eat an elephant? one bite at a time. So you may say, oh, it's too late, like school's starting in a week, there's no way I can do this, and that's okay because I'm gonna you know, walk through how to organize the homeschool room, and you might be able to do it in a day, or you might wanna work on it a little at a time over the coming year. So the first thing is start with is the books. You definitely need bookshelves if you're gonna homeschool and one of the things that i have invested in over the years is many 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 bookshelves i always laugh when i visit homeschoolers because they usually have bookshelves lining a hall of some sort maybe the hallway upstairs or something but um that is just You can't homeschool without books, and one of the things that I highly recommend is building a homeschool library, but then those books need to be stored. So what I have in my homeschool room is a few bookshelves of history, and the way I have stored my homeschool books – my history books, starting with creation, going all the way to present day. And it just moves chronologically. I put all my biographies in there. I put all my history, living history books, and I put in all my historical fiction. And so you can basically, if you're studying history of a certain time period and the kids are interested and they want to read more, they just go to that section of history on the history bookshelf. Then I have another bookshelf for science and geography, another bookshelf for music, art, crafts, things like that, and Bible. So that's kind of my homeschool room, the way it's laid out. I'm a real history buff. So you can imagine my history shelves are always packed. And, um, but That is what works for me because we do do a lot of unit study type things for history and geography. So it really works out to have it that way. So then my question to you, when you're thinking about how to store your books, what would work best for you? And that depends on how you homeschool. And some people I know, and I love this method too, is they'll have a shelf for the preschoolers and a shelf for the early elementary and a shelf for the later elementary and a shelf for middle school and a shelf for high school. And it's just all their reading books. And so that is another way to go. And we have another bookcase for literature and it's just all mixed in together, but that works for us but for my friend it works to have everything divided and then the kids know exactly what shelves to go to when they're looking for a book so those are the bookshelves and the bookshelves are nice to have organized but once you organize them you have to let everyone know how they're organized. So they can know to take books off and put them away and put them back. And I always tell my kids, if you don't remember where a book went, just put it on my desk and I'll take care of it. Um, The next thing is all the stuff that you use, like a stapler, like a glue gun, like tape like paints and markers and crayons and pencils and pens and notebook papers and folders. Where is that all going to go? And for me, I bought a very large storage cabinet. It's in the middle of my homeschool room between some bookshelves. And I just keep everything in there on different shelves. There's uh. Tons of paper like cardstock and watercolor paper and things like that. There's things of crayons and scissors and glue sticks and it's pretty easy to sort through. So if the kids are doing a project and they want to use a glue stick, they, they can really find it pretty easily. So that I, I found works really well. And one thing I do for that big storage cabinet, it's tall. It goes all the way up to the ceiling is I bought little shoebox size, smaller storage cabinets, and then I store things in there. So like I have one that's all full of scissors, I have one that's all full of glue sticks, and I have one that's pencils and pens. So it's pretty easy to find what you need. There's one with paint brushes and different things like that. So um we got really into rubber stamping in the 90s. That was all the rage. Um, You know, I've been homeschooling a long time, so I have tons and tons of rubber stamps. And so they're just things like that. They're not as popular now, but we just had so much fun with them. Um, And then another thing that a principle with that is The stuff you use the most should be the easiest to get to and the easiest to put away. So one thing I noticed when I realized, wow, we just never put anything away, is some of the stuff that we use every day. I I picked places for it to go that were really hard to put away. Um, you know, not hard, like really it wasn't hard, but it was maybe a three step process instead of a one step process. So what kid wants to do three step process, you know? And so, I, and what parent wants to do it, you know? So it's, it's much easier. If things are hard to put away, it's much easier to say, oh, I'll put it away later. Uh, and you put it on the stairs. How many of you have piles on your stairs? Yet yeah, we always have piles on our stairs. Uh, so that's just a rule of thumb in your kitchen, in your homeschool room, anywhere, whatever you use the most, make it the easiest to get to and the easiest to put away. Let it be super, super simple. So why would I just put it down on the stairs when it's so simple to put away? Um, And then, so I mentioned paper. I mentioned pencils. Here, then I have a file folder, and I use Folders, those plain old folders. I used to use manila folders. Now sometimes I buy pretty color folders, but um, they're great for making lap books and things like that. But I love folders, and I store so many things. So say I, I find an article in a magazine that I rip out, and I think, oh, this would be a great idea for ge- geography. Instead of just putting in in the pile of papers near my workspace which is a recliner in the family room. I'll put it in a folder and write geography ideas. And then if I get other geography ideas, I add it to them. And then I might have one that says history ideas. And so I have a full uh, a tray for my homeschool stuff. I have a folder where I keep their papers and I just write their name. So Katie Beth, 4th grade Writing and then all her writing papers go in there for fourth grade. And one of the things that's nice about storing papers like that is it's really fun when they're in sixth grade to go back and rewrite some third and fourth grade writing papers because they've grown so much as a writer by then. So that those are just some. Those are just some tricks I found over the years to stay organized. I love my file cabinet. Um, it was ugly gray and I painted it this bright bright neon blue. I mean, you can see that thing from Miles, but it made everything more cheery. And uh, then another thing that I found I really love is I found this cart at Sam's. And I don't know if they make it, but I know they make other things similar. So it was on wheels, but we really left it in one place. We never used the wheels. But the The cart basically had six tote drawers. So it was, you know, almost as tall as my file cabinet and the drawers, the totes were removable. So you could pull the tote out and carry it somewhere else. So what I did with my kids is I put all their schoolwork for the year in there. So say Jimmy gets up in the morning, he goes over to this little cabinet and pulls out his tote and in his tote are his folders and I'll get to that later like um, lesson plan folders for the whole year so he can open it up and he knows it's you know September the third week of September it's a Monday this is what I'm supposed to do today and um but instead of just pulling out what he needs he would always just grab the whole tote take it downstairs to the dining room and then he would start with this math. He'd pull his math book out in his math folder. When he was finished, he would put it inside the folder so that later I could pick it up and grade his math. And then he would go to the he would look in his overall folder, see what he was supposed to work on. And then maybe he was doing grammar that day. So he would pull out his grammar book or maybe he was supposed to um write a um, paragraph and then send a letter to someone. So everything he would need for the year, except like if he was reading several books, his books wouldn't all be there in there, just the one he was reading at the time. So this made it wonderful because the tote was mobile. And then what happens at the end of the day, about two o'clock, he's finishing up all his school. He puts everything back in the tote as messy or neat as he wants it because it's his tote and he walks back up the stairs and puts the tote away. So what happens with that situation is that there's no books left on the table because everyone would bring down their tote and everyone would put their stuff back in the tote and, and put it away. Now this, I discovered this after years and years and years of there always being mess and honey you didn't put away your math book oh i forgot though well with the tote it just made everything so super simple so that um is a was a real blessing so again to review with the homeschool room organize your books and what works best for you organize your stuff that you use you know the little um all the little things like pens and papers and glue and scissors And then organize anything that anything that can go in a file folder should go in a file folder and into a file cabinet. They are just they make life so easy. Oh, my goodness. And another thing that I use besides um, file folders is magazine holders. I find they work really good for storing papers and different things like that. But. Um And then, of course, where are your kids going to keep their stuff? So I told you about the tote method. Another method to use would be a shelf where each child has a shelf. So you'd have to have basically an empty bookshelf. And then each child has their own shelf where they can have their stuff, take off what they need, put it all back. So um one of the things, if you don't have a system like that, what you find is a constant sense of panic. I can't find my math book. I can't find my science book. I lost this. I lost that. But if there's a place where everything goes, then if I'm cleaning the house, and by happenstance, I run into um, Sarah Joyce's grammar book and, I know that it's not supposed to be under the recliner, but here it is. I just pick it up and take it to her tote. And, and if one of her the, her siblings would see it, they would do the same thing. So that is organizing the homeschool room, keeping it as neat as possible. I found if everything has a place that's easy to put away, then your homeschool room can stay at a place or your homeschool station can stay at a place where at the most it might take 20 minutes to put everything away. But if, if it doesn't really have a place and, and sometimes in the past before this, you're going to think, what? But yeah, it's true. I didn't have a place for certain things. And of course there was always mess because it didn't have a place to go put away. If you're interested in learning more about how to organize your homeschool room and your homeschool stuff, um, I have two blog posts linked I, on in the show notes. One is called How to Organize Your the Homeschool Room, and then the other is called Six Smart Storage Solutions to Eliminate Homeschool Clutter. So on to the next one. And the next one that we're going to talk about is we are going to talk about um lesson planning. Now, lesson planning is basically setting up the whole year. What are we going to do this year? Now, for some of you, you just are using a textbook and you have five subjects and use five textbooks and you just do a chapter a week or, you know, some kind of method in your mind and you don't even write it all down. Um, that's not how we homeschool. So we have, you know, like, okay, for history this week, you're gonna do this project and read this book. And so we just do things a little different. I could easily do that with math, but even then I find that sometimes we used to come to the end of the year and we wouldn't be finished with the book. So this is what I decided to do. I decided to every summer plan the next school year. Now what I would do is I would tell my husband and my children for this week coming up I will not be cooking, I will not be cleaning the house. I'm only going to be doing one thing and that is going to be doing my lesson plans for the coming year. So we would buy pizza out, we would buy fast food out. We would just get, you know, we would really 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 um Focus on making my uh, responsibilities as minimal as possible. Then I would lay out all the books that we were going to use for the coming year. And I would do subject by subject and each child by subject. And the reason I did it that way instead of child by child is we do a lot of work that overlaps. So if my two high school kids were taking the same class, then it was just easier to do it together. So we would I would do that. I would lay out the books and I would figure out how long we were going to homeschool. We didn't homeschool for 36 weeks. We usually homeschool from September till Christmas and then January to the end of April or the end of May. Just depending, usually to the end of April and then when they were in high school, usually till the middle or end of May. So I would just figure out about how long we were going to what our schedule would be, what would be the main weeks we would be homeschooling. I wouldn't include a vacation week or anything like that. And then I would subtract a week from the fall and a week from the spring. So say I looked at my calendar and we had from the beginning of September until the time I would take off for Christmas, then we had maybe 15 weeks. Then I would subtract one. So we really would have 14 weeks. So with the 14 weeks, uh, and I'll tell you why I'll subtract one in a minute. So with the 14 weeks, I would look at what needed, you know, about half of the work that needed to be done. And I would divide the chapters. I would say I was using a textbook. I would divide the chapters I wanted to cover in the fall by 14. And I would figure out how much how many chapters we would read each week or what portion of a chapter we would read each week. For the math, I would just have them do one lesson a week, except for that extra week. I would budget in, um, I called it a catch up week. And the reason I did is because I found that life happens and there were just some times that we would get behind. So we would never try to take a week off. But if we ended up just getting behind because of sickness or things like that, then we still had an extra week. If we didn't take any time off by the end of the semester, we just had an extra week of vacation. So, and that did happen sometimes, but most of the time we needed that extra catch up week. If we had a vacation we were taking, I subtracted it. So say the fall we had 15 weeks, but then I subtracted my week. And then I subtracted our vacation week, and that would leave me with 13 weeks. So then, again, I would just lay out what I wanted to accomplish, and this is how it helped me. If we ended up getting behind, and I realized, wow, we're supposed to be at this point, but we're only here, then I would kind of pare down our schedule and we would do some catch up work or we might work, um, on a Saturday for two hours to try to do some catch up work. And honestly, because the kids knew that we would do something like that, they were always really diligent to get everything done because they didn't want to do any extra outside of, you know, extra homeschool time that wasn't fun. Like they liked the field trips and stuff like that. So, um, I, I found that by planning my whole year out, it was, it was a very, um, intense week for me. It really was, but I enjoyed it because I got an overview. I was handling all the books. I was like looking through them and, and it just kind of got me excited. Honestly, like that week, I'm not a real, like it's not my gifting to be administrative and organized, but Wow, I love doing that, and then I love to learn. So it just got me so excited about everything we're studying. And I would say, "Oh, kids, look, we're going to be talking about this and talking about this." So that is something that I really um, enjoy doing. Now, if you want to know more about this, because this is just a podcast, so I'm not able to go into tremendous amount of detail because I'm covering other stuff about organization. I have a, a A blog post on my blog, which is at powerlineprod.com and it's called lesson planning for the entire year in one week. And that is basically all the nuts and bolts and the details of exactly how I do it. But again, so now you've organized your homeschool room, you've planned out your year and now it's time for the scheduling. I used to Not make a schedule. I remember being a young homeschool mom. I had three, I think I had a baby and then a preschooler and then my, my daughter starting kindergarten, first grade. And we just did whatever we wanted. You know, we just got up and we did stuff and had fun. And you know, we got tons more done than I ever dreamed or hoped for. But the more children I had that were being homeschooled and the babies kept coming, I realized that I needed a plan and I needed a plan that was not my master. I needed a plan that was my servant. And I discovered block scheduling, which is so flexible and so easy to use. And it really has been a blessing in my life to use block scheduling. So if you, um, If you have tried schedules before and they just didn't work, I used to use schedules in college that would be based on hours. So I would say from 8 to 10, I'll have my quiet time, eat breakfast, and then at 10 o'clock is my first class. And then at 12, um, I'll meet someone for lunch on Mondays and Wednesdays. You know, I, I was very like, that's fine in college because you have just you. You know, so you, you can get, but when you're a mom, you have a lot of other people and they impact you being able to be on time anywhere or you being able to stay on your schedule. So I discovered block scheduling and then what block scheduling is, is like, it's a, it's a different way to view your day. So instead of viewing your day as hours, and hours and minutes, you view your day in blocks of time. So my blocks of time would be before breakfast, because I'm an early riser. Some of you would say, oh, I'm not even up by breakfast. So before breakfast, breakfast, between breakfast and lunch, lunchtime, between lunch and dinner, dinner time, and after dinner. So all of those are blocks of time. And what's so great about it is you, you don't have to say, we're going to eat lunch every day at one. You can if you want, or we're going to eat lunch every day at 11. You just do, do the block of time for the morning, do the block of time for the afternoon. And it, it, sometimes it takes less time. Sometimes it takes more time, but I love it because it is so freeing because if the baby, hoops all over the carpet and it takes you 45 minutes to clean it up, then you're not necessarily off schedule. You're just going to eat lunch a little later or dinner's going to be a little later. So I love block scheduling. It's very flexible. And one of the things that's really helped me with that is if something comes up in a block of time, like. Going to a doctor's appointment in an afternoon would take up a whole afternoon block of time. Then that block of time, I can switch with something else because I realize, okay, Um, I usually would also leave a free block of time in my schedule for things like that so if we have a doctor appointment on Tuesday afternoon I can trade it for the Friday afternoon free time and whatever we normally would do Tuesday afternoon I can do Friday afternoon so that has that really helped me to be very on schedule. Um, not on schedule the way some people might want to be on schedule, but I was very on schedule for me and my family. And we, I found that all of my children um tend to be more time conscious because of that. Like they think in terms of, you know, getting something done before lunch or getting something done before dinner. So it's kind of interesting how it's impacted them because my children are all grown now. But scheduling is really a blessing, and especially I found that it gives a lot of – um it gives a boundary to children, and children like boundaries. They like that routine, and so I would organize my schedule so we would do certain subjects on different days. We did math every day. We did Bible every day, but other subjects we would do – Um, on different days. So that was really fun. And um, if you want to know more about block scheduling or flexible scheduling, I have a blog post at at powerlineprod.com. It's called Flexible Scheduling Can Work For You. And all these blog posts that I'm mentioning, there's links in the show notes where you can go and you can read them. So that sets you up all your stuff, your entire year plan is now on paper, and one of the things that I'd like to do with the entire year is to give my children little folders with that plan laid out so they can just check off their work as they go. Another thing that I really like to do is to make schedules for each one of us. I talked about the flexible scheduling. I make one main schedule where this is a Monday through uh, a Sunday through Saturday schedule. And I put everything in for each, for the main schedule, the things that we do together. Like we do a a church Bible study. We go to church every Sunday. We um, have a family night. We go to, a, co- a homeschool co-op so all those things I put in and then I do each person's schedule now on my schedule or the main schedule I put everything so I can see what if going to work because let me explain if Jimmy needs help with math and Shine needs help with math I can't schedule them at the same time if they both need a lot of help. But if they both just need a little help, I can because I could help Shine, but then I can help Jimmy. So um I can't be in two places at the same time, though. So if something is very intensive, if I'm teaching a child to read and another child needs a lot of help with a certain subject, I can't have those two subjects overlapping. So that's why I like to make the schedules. But then what I do is I make them really cute, I put clip art in them, I print them in color, and then I tape all of our schedules up on that big cabinet that I told you about. So everyone, and then I also give everyone a copy of their schedule in their assignment folder. For the year. So they have a copy of their schedule and they p- can pull it out. And my son loved the schedule. He would pull it out every day and just like to look. Okay. So this is what I'm doing. This, this is, you know, what is going on today. It's, it's Wednesday. And so it, it was really helpful for my kids to have that and bright and colorful and cheerful. I like to make everything cheerful and fun <laughs> if I can. And then The other thing about having their own about having a flexible schedule and everyone having their own schedule is that after about two or three weeks, we would sit down, everyone together, and we would redo the schedules because you really can never tell if the schedule works until you live it out. And Often, you know, like I said, our schedule is our servant. It's not our master. So if it needs to be tweaked, we're going to tweak it. And that's what we, we would do. I hope this helps. And I hope you are really excited to organize your homeschool and to realize that when you're a homeschool mom, you have to organize with a lot of flexibility because life is always happening. But what I have found, if you have the structure of organization, then you are really set up for success. Even if things don't always go according to plan, at least there is a plan and there's a way to get kind of back on track. So God bless you. Thank you so much for being with me. I'll see you next time. Happy homeschooling. Thank you for listening to Finish Well Podcast with Meredith Curtis and the Finish Well team. Please listen in every first and third Monday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern Time at the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network.